Live from the Coachella Valley, time for another hour of the desert scene. Art exhibitions to modernism, music festivals to live theater, big screen, little screen, and very little screen. This is the Culture Corner with Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio. And we are back on the Culture Corner, and now we're pleased to welcome Kathy Humphrey, who is a co-chair stewardship committee from Bloom in the Desert, and they've got a big event coming up. Hi, Kathy. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for being here. So you've got the 12th annual Spring Fling Cabaret and Silent Auction uh, coming up. Uh, let's see. What's the date here? Oh, March Friday, March 5th. Uh, so tell us, a bit, tell us a little bit about it. Oh, it's going to be a great event. This is our 12th annual, and of course, um, the others were all in person, and this year we've had to switch to a virtual uh, spring fling, but we have found ways to make it very fun and exciting. Um, we have wonderful entertainment. We have David Green's Musical Theater, Theater University. Um, we had them last year. They were fabulous kids from here in the Valley. So um, we will have that for entertainment. Um, Jerome Elliott is going to be our MC, And then we have, since it is a fundraiser, we have a raffle for $500 worth of um, Amazon gift cards. And then we have a very fun silent auction. And these are going to be um, good. Um, members and friends of Bloom are putting together fun and uh, lovely Easter baskets. Uh, they won't actually be like for Easter, but we're just calling them that. They're themed. Ours was we are snowbirds. We live in Montana when we're not here. So ours is gourmet Montana, but um, we have uh, all kinds of different baskets and people will be encouraged to bid on those starting March 1st and up through about, I believe it's 7.30 or 8 o'clock that night during the event. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and we hope people will go to our website, which is bloomindedesert.org, and register. They can donate, um, and they can purchase raffle tickets and bid on the Easter baskets. Excellent. And I see that um, you are... Uh, recognizing uh, the justice work of Keisha D is a good friend of mine who, by the way, is going to be on the show in a couple of segments, mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, uh, she's getting the seventh annual Community Justice Award for her work with young musicians. So tell us a little bit about the award and why you chose Keisha D. Well, uh, Keisha is such, has been such a friend of Bloom as well as just such a wonderful member of the community, and the um, the Justice Award. Community Justice Award was started seven years ago, and it's to recognize people in the Valley here who may not have been recognized by other folks for agitating for peace and justice. And um, Keisha is a wonderful example of that. Um, And, you know, people know her as an entertainer, wonderful singer, but she has a foundation through the Palm Springs School District that provides money, funds for um, kids who to get musical instruments and things that they wouldn't be able to afford otherwise um, for their musical um, education. Mm-hmm. So that is the reason that we are um, 
recognizing Keisha um, at this time. Now, and we are also giving out our third annual Compassion Appreciation Award. And this is going to um, a wonderful woman named Kathy Diamond, who has been serving lunches at, not just serving, but organizing lunch service at Well in the Desert for years. Um, she goes over and above <laughs> anything that could be inspect, uh, expected. She has a car full of styrofoam containers and plastic ware and sauces and spices to make the food a little bit better if it's not quite um, as good as it could be that day. Mm-hmm. And she, they buy all sorts of things for the um, homeless folks and low-income folks who come for meals there at well. So that's another reason that we are excited is to present this award to her. Super. And so talk a little bit about, um, so you, since 2005, uh, Bloom in the Desert has been around. Tell us a little bit about your the, your mission, the overall mission there. Um, overall mission. Um, I should probably have something in front of me to help me with this, but um, it's to welcome everyone who uh, uh, it, we're just really inclusive. It's a progressive, um, welcoming environment. Uh, and I'm a little, a little bit at a lot of words on that. It's just a wonderful, a wonderful group of people with a wonderful message. RevCav does a fabulous job of, um, of making the Christian faith applicable to everyone. Inclusive. That's one thing I love. Yeah, I'm reading this. Uh, We gather to worship God, witness our faith and living of our lives, and uphold one another, united in our diversity. We're inclusive and embracing. And I think that's so important, especially right now, is to really, yes, the inclusive aspect of it. Because there are not every group or even religious group is necessarily. Absolutely, that's true. And um, we we found Bloom uh, seven, eight years ago, and it was just uh, a place that we immediately felt welcomed. It was just, uh, it's a, a friendly, fun, um, extravagant welcome is extended to everyone. It's just a wonderful place with wonderful people and a wonderful message. Yes, and so again, so the fling is Friday, March sixth, six thirty to eight fifteen. The twelfth annual spring fling, spring fling blooming together. Excuse me, uh, six thirty p.m. mocktail hour sign on, silent auction bidding and raffle ticket sales. Seven to eight fifteen. The program, musical theater university. And yes, David Green does such a great job with all those really talented kids. Pre- oh, they're awesome. Presentation. Yeah. Presentation of awards, Easter basket bidding, and raffle sales until seven thirty. And so again, uh, suggested donations thirty five fifty hundred plus. Um, now you can online bidding for Easter basket starts March first at one p.m. So tell yeah. tell people how, again how they can do that. Um, they can go to bloom in the www.bloominthedesert dot org, and that will direct you to the other link. I am not a very technologically uh, advanced person, but we have got really good instructions on there that will help people um, get through to the places they want to be for registration, to make donations, and to bid on the Easter baskets and buy raffle tickets. So. 
it's going to be a lot of fun. And what do you, I know people are just kind of winging it and just going day by day because we don't know from one day to the next, you don't know what the COVID numbers are, what's going to be open, what's not. But what, what, um, do you have other sort of online and virtual events planned over the next, say, six, eight months? Uh, not that I'm aware of. This is really our big fundraiser and big community event for the year. Um, so I'm not aware of anything else, but we do, um, the service is on uh, Facebook, uh, Bloom's Facebook page every Sunday um, at 10 o'clock. And then there is a Zoom uh, sort of fellowship time afterwards, too. But all of the information is available on bloomofthedesert.org. And I would love to have uh, your listeners go there and check us out. It's a, it's a really great place to um, be part of. And I, I believe your the services you uh, music is always a big part of the services, isn't it? Oh, it is. We have fabulous musicians. Um, um, it was it was much easier when <laughs> when we were live and we could all get together. But um, yes, we have a great bunch of of musicians that uh, that um, uh, play during play and sing during our services. Ken Forney is our musical director, and he does a wonderful job. And we have a the Bloom Tone, the Bloom trio that um, is always there to lead the hymns on our on our um, Sunday morning virtual uh, services. So yeah, music, flowers, uh, we're, we're sort of an extravagant group. Um, (laughs) My husband and I, the first time we came to Bloom, it happened to be Mardi Gras Sunday, and uh, the Chinese New Year. And so there was a brass band playing and the Chinese dragon um, that was manned by about three people um, danced in. And it may have been the blessing of the pets Sunday also, because Mm -hmm. there were a few dogs in the chairs. Mm -hmm. So um, (laughs) it was it was a pretty fabulous welcome. And we have just been um, so involved in it ever since. It really feels like home and a place. One of the mottos uh, that we have is God wants you to think for yourself and live for others. And that's that's very important to me to um, be able to to look at my faith and and um, not necessarily. Well, anyway, it's it's important to be able to think for yourself. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think um, several friends, I'm a singer as well, several friends of mine I think have been part of some of the services. Does, doesn't uh, Fleet Easton occasionally perform? And I think Keisha has, and maybe Jerome Elliott. Have they all been oh, part of the... absolutely, all of them, yeah. yes. They've all been either either or both on Sundays and certainly at the Spring Fling. And I'm trying to think of some of the other... Um, his last name is Herrera. Oh, Charles Herrera, dear friend of mine. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. We love yeah. Charles, yeah. yeah. And right. and Dr. Sharon Stroud is I believe she's uh, does she do some of the services for you I think I think she does yes. I think and then some people may know Elaine Wang Meyerhofer she's a, a wonderful mezzo soprano and she uh, sings with us and for us sometimes so yeah we've got a great bunch of people. Excellent. So, and again, now, uh, the co-chair of the stewardship committee. Remind, what what is the definition of the stewardship committee? Just out of curiosity. Well, it's um, yeah. Um, 
<laughs> just kind of organize We're, things in general, basically. Well, it's it's um, we have a stewardship campaign every year, and we're not calling it that anymore. We're calling it a generosity campaign. Okay. But it is to encourage people to pledge their support for the church monetarily, and also to tell us what unique gifts they have that they would like to um, to provide to members of the congregation and to the church. And for instance, um, do they want to be Bring, bring food for the um, after services? Do they want mm-hmm. to be read liturgy? Do they want to preach on occasion? You know, wow. um, do they want to be ushers? Different things like that. But it's, so we encourage people to make a commitment to the church so that we can plan. Excellent. Well, uh, Kathy uh, Humphrey, co-chair Stewardship Committee, this sounds like such a great event. Again, it's Friday, March 5th, 6.30 to 8.15 p.m., the 12th annual Spring Fling blooming together. My dear friend Keisha D is getting the 7th annual Community Justice Award, Easter baskets, all kinds of fun stuff, great entertainment. Of course, Jerome Elliott is emceeing, another good friend. Thank you so much for being here. Continued success with uh, Bloom in the Desert, and I hope you have a wonderful event and, and Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Okay. Thank you very, very much. Yes. And you come and join us, too, at www.bloominthedesert.org. Fabulous. All right. Kathy Humphrey. All right. Thank you. We'll be back with much more on the Culture Corner in just a moment. The curtain rises on local and regional arts and entertainment. From music to theater, films to fine art, it's The Culture Corner. Get connected. Call 760-544-TALK. That's 760-544-8255. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio. Hey, welcome back to The Culture Corner. In this segment, we're going to talk about television news. There's... Ooh, tell you know the thing is, I think television is probably the most consistent entertainment venue right now. Actually, like I, in in terms of COVID, I think I think that right now it is the one venue in which it's probably succeeding more than other venues because like mm-hmm. cinemas, you know, it's very hard for me to keep track of movies because I barely n- realize Nomadland, which is a movie I've been wanting to watch, is going to be on Hulu. And so, for me, television has been the thing that I've been kind of Very sustaining. Pretty me. constant, yeah. I want yeah. to ask you: Was there a TV show that you that's kind of gotten you through the pandemic? Well, well, I'm pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of stuck in my rut. I mean, I watch MSNBC, particularly Rachel Maddow, Chris Hayes, and Rachel Maddow. I love. I watch HGTV, you know, Property Brothers, all those. <laughs> You know, look at the, how great. I love those shows. Those are great. And uh, I watch Date, Dateline 2020, The Murder Mysteries. That's oh, it. That's that's all I watch, really. I've been watching, funny enough, I've been kind of regressing back to like shows I watched in my childhood, like mm-hmm. Tiny Toon Adventures and Animaniacs. And funny, the funny thing is I never realized Bernadette Peters had a recurring role on Animaniacs. So I was watching... 
Bernadette Peters playing a singing cat who wants to find a home. And I was crying because I was like, because believe it or not, Bernadette Peters might be on a children's show, but she puts it in. She puts in so much effort. Like it's emotional watching. I've always liked her. I've always liked her. Like loved her voice. Yeah. So I was going to say like another show that is surprising that I've been watching is on Disney Plus, and it's actually the most popular show in the world right now, according to Parrot Analytics, which is a data science company where they measure audience demand. And the most in-demand show right now is WandaVision. And I don't even, I don't even know that much about what that is. So tell me. <laughs> so WandaVision is a television show that takes place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like the Marvel movies, the superhero okay. movies. Okay. But it that particular one is kind of experimental because in the first three episodes it's a their tributes to sitcoms so like it's a whole series where you don't know what's going on all you know is that two of the heroes are in a sitcom out of nowhere and you want to know why mm-hmm. and that's basically it it's two superheroes that are in a sitcom just imagine like bewitch and dick van dyke and they do everything they black and white four by three ratio laugh yeah. tracks yeah yeah and it's so out of nowhere and you're not sure what's going on and because there's a mystery about why are these characters in a sitcom when the movies aren't sitcoms Mm -hmm. so this mystery comes in and people want to know what's going on so that's why it's i think it's the most popular show because there's a mystery Mm. and people want to know but i i really do like the show but again it's one of those things where if you don't know much about the superheroes in the marvel movies you're you're not going to get much out of it i don't think so it's one of those things where you need context be, you yeah. need context yeah, and all yeah, that yeah okay and also i wanted to bring up the fact that on sex and city mr big isn't coming back why so i think they wanted to focus on women in their 50s mm-hmm. and so i think they might see um chris noth as not being a necessary part of the series anymore and i, I can think see that okay yeah. And the fact is that I think he wants to move on too. Mm-hmm. I think him and Kim Cattrall are kind of like, we want to move yeah, on from so this. So you've been there, done that. Yeah. Okay. So that would, that's honestly the reason why I see it that way. And then, and then also Chris Harrison mm-hmm. is going to step aside as the host of um, The Bachelor because he defended a contestant who attended in their youth. Well, they weren't that much younger, like three years younger. Mm-hmm. This contestant went to an old South antebellum south celebration party where they basically view robert e lee as their hero and she went to a party and a lot of people brought it up saying hey you know maybe that's something that the interview process should have done and someone said and he said that oh you know it's not that big of a deal i mean it was what it was you know it was like she was having fun and a lot of people go to those parties and so because his comments weren't seen as very sensitive He's not fired. He decided to he, talk to ABC and say, let me take a step back and mm-hmm. think this over. Well, you have to give him credit for doing that, at least, you know. I mean, he had he made a mistake, but at least it, rather than getting fired, he made that decision. So I give him some credit for that. I, agree with, I agree with you on that. Like, I think that it's important to, I think it's important while, like the Gina Carano situation, that was, you know, that was a situation where she was given too many chances by and a company. And she's still firing back, isn't she? I yeah. thought I said, yeah. She, so. She's coming, just a quick update on that. She is working with a conservative news outlet to make a movie and she's very open saying, I'm not going to be silenced. And I yeah. think the difference between the two of them is that Chris Harrison, you know, I think because he's not as famous, can take that step back and be introspective and actually mm-hmm. realize, mm-hmm. okay, 
what did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. And I'll go back to the show. And I think Disney wants to give him because it wasn't the worst thing you can say. Mm-hmm. I think if anything, he wasn't given the proper context. Like mm-hmm. I think people have this idea about like the antebellum South being like gone with the wind, and glamorous, and yeah, glamorous yeah, and yeah. stuff like mm-hmm. that. But I think, I think there's a time and place in our culture to always forgive and let people, you know, come back maybe a little bit more aware of as things. long as they take responsibility and acknowledge hey maybe this wasn't right and maybe i need to educate myself yeah i agree with yeah. you on that yeah. and i think i think this will be a situation where things will po- turn out positively hopefully yeah all right we're gonna be back with my my dear friend miss keisha d in just a bit Listening to Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Live from the desert cities of Southern California, here's Brian and Bonnie. And we are back on The Culture Corner. We're hoping to talk to Miss Keisha D in just a little bit. She is doing a very special show tomorrow night, tomorrow evening at 5 p.m. at Frankie's Back Room, Frankie's Old World Italian Bakery, the back room in Cathedral City. He's been doing these great live streams um, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Facebook live streams since May to uh, give some local singers a place to perform. And also uh, there's a little charity um, aspect is a, a project called a uh, project food for um, musicians and you can go to frankie's with a gift card from stater brothers or any grocery store and put it in the box and you get a free loaf of bread and that helps out uh, local performers musicians who are out of work and a lot of them have been for for quite some time um she's doing a special show songs of inspiration and love uh to celebrate black history month and um it's going to be 5 p.m Streaming live on Facebook, direct from Frankie's Back Room. Kishidi celebrating Black History Month. Uh, she is fabulous, and she's having great musicians with her. Philly Joe Lutel, Malcolm Turner, and Andy Fraga on drums. And uh, you should check this out, because Keisha is just an amazing, amazing performer, a great singer, a great stage presence. She's also just a really good person. She's done a lot of uh, good for the community. Again, she started that foundation that uh, Kathy was just talking about with Bloom in the Desert. Keisha started a foundation in local schools to keep uh, music going in schools, to provide instruments, et cetera, and keep the music programs going. Because, of course, when budget cuts happen, that's one of the first things to go. So Keisha's foundation is helping to keep that rolling. But she's just one of those people who is really good people. And if she's a wonderful performer, but also a really good person. I, um, we don't looks like we don't have her. I'm hoping that uh, we'll get Keisha in a little bit. But um, check her out. Again, it's tomorrow at 5, every, every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, every week at 5 p.m. From 5 to 5.30, there's a live fr- Facebook live stream from Frankie's Back Room. Frankie's Old World Italian Bakery in Cathedral City, which is a fabulous place. They've got great Italian food, great desserts, great bread. And Frankie's a singer himself, and he's done a lot. I've done a lot of shows there. He's got this great, both a front room and a back room, sort of a New York cabaret room. And he's been doing these live streams since May, again, to help um, local performers have a place to perform. Keeps Frankie's name out there, remind them a great place to go for Italian food, and this great program called Project Bread for Musicians. So check it out. Tonight is Marsha Hart. 
5 p.m. And tomorrow, Keisha D. Songs of Inspiration and Love with musicians Philly Joe Latell, Malcolm Turner, and Andy Fraga. That's tomorrow at 5 p.m. Check it out. want to get one other thing in uh, that I promised to get in. Uh, my, my sweetie, Eric Frankston, who's a wonderful pianist and violinist, he is uh, doing his... Uh, Sunday Sounds, um, this program sponsored by the Palm Desert Library. It's my fourth year and Eric's fourth year participating in this. And normally the live performances are at the Palm Desert Community Center, uh, but not this year. Of course, it's virtual because of COVID. So you uh, tape your performance and it goes up on a YouTube channel uh, sponsored again by the Palm Desert Library. So Eric did a program with John Stanley King and Danny Flayhive. It will be uh, showing this Sunday, 2 p.m. You go to the Palm Desert Libra- Library website and there's a link you can click on their YouTube channel and you can see their program and then it will continue for a week after that. But check that out this Sunday, 2 p.m. Palm Desert Library website. Go to the YouTube channel, Sunday Sounds, featuring Eric Frankson, John Stanley King, and Danny Flayhive. So check that out. I'll be doing one in March. So a lot of stuff going on. So what else you got, Brian? I was going to say, like, I didn't know Keisha D did the pro the was it a program for uh, music education in schools? Mm-hmm. She started a foundation. Uh-huh. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, little things you you don't know. I think mm-hmm. everyone else knows that, but I don't. But. Yeah. She's, she's just, uh, you know, sometimes in life, I mean, there's a lot of great performers. I know a lot of. You know, there's some, of course, big names, and of course, a lot of a lot of local performers here. This town is full of talent, um, but you don't always have the combination of really great talent, great performing skills, and really good people, and really spiritually involved in giving and wonderful support, and being supportive of other performers. Keisha D is somebody that has both of those things, so she's she's a good friend, and I'm honored to call her my friend. You know, I I was curious, like I've I've been wanting to know how music programs. What do you? How do you think they're doing in schools right now during COVID? I, you know, that's I don't know. That's a really good question. I mean, that's it's pretty hard to have band class or chorus online. I mean, I guess they're tr- trying to do that to a certain degree. But I know I've talked to other people. When you're doing something online, it's very difficult. Like they've had people that have tried to put together these group choral numbers where you have all these faces on Zoom. There's like twenty, but there's a delay. So coordinating the sound with a bunch of people singing me there's that's tough to do you got to really finagle that uh technolo- technologically i've been told you know i that's what i think is an issue with schools would be like i think that schools because they're so they were so unprepared for something like this that mm-hmm. a lot i think i think there has to be some fairness when it comes to music programs like if you're going to grade a student on their vocal performance but to be honest like i was in band in elementary school, I used to play trumpet, mm-hmm. and I think if Good I pick for you. if I if I pick it up, maybe maybe we'll see what we can do with that. But it's one of those things where I remember we weren't necessarily graded for our performance, but like the effort and the fact that we sounded if we sounded at least in some ways good, mm-hmm. or at least that if we followed the. Um, I guess the music. I don't know how to put it, but like if we followed the sheets and mm-hmm. if we were able to play mm-hmm. a sound correctly and all that. So what? Uh, what made you decide to choose trumpet? Honestly, I had a professor. I had a teacher, who, you know, I was in her class and she had said to me, you know, I really want you to be in the more advanced classes, but I think that, but we missed out on a test. So she said, you know what? Why don't you be in something like band and see if that's something you can do because mm-hmm. I was interested in music for a little bit. Like I thought, Oh, it, you play, tr- I told my professor, you play the trumpet. And she said, yeah. 
So she gave me her trumpet. Mm-hmm. So I have it in my closet, my trumpet. Maybe one day I'll bring it in. But have now, so how many years did you study? Did you play? I played for about two years, and then mm-hmm. when middle school started, um, I wasn't able to make it into the, I guess, marching band. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure what happened because, like, I did express interest in doing it, but the middle school that I went to lost part of my transcripts or my requests. Mm-hmm. So they didn't include me. So ever since that time, I haven't really played it. And it's... That's too bad. But it's one of those things where, if I remember correctly, it's not as it wasn't as difficult and I was able to do it. Mm-hmm. I have a... Tr- I have it somewhere. I'm going to yeah. have to... Because re- I've been thinking about that because I've been cleaning up my room. And I don't know, sometimes like when I clean up my room... I feel demotivated sometimes because it's like, oh, well, I have other things to do. I have other things for school and stuff. Mm -hmm. But that's one thing I've been thinking about is like picking up that trumpet and playing it. And I think that if I'm in a correct space, I think there might be an opportunity for me to play. Not necessarily like front and center, but maybe help out like a friend who wants like a trumpet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I think that that's like... I think it's an underrated instrument. It's it yeah. it adds to a chorus, yeah. uh, not a chorus, but an orchestra. Yeah, absolutely, it's, absolutely. And you know, I think um, I really I know people say this all the time, but it's really true. Uh, I think it's so important. It's such a wonderful a gift to give a child to at least introduce them to music, to the possibility of playing an instrument or singing in choirs as, as, a ch- as a child, as a young person. Because it really rounds out, even if you n- even if you never do it professionally, even after you, you know, get out of junior high school, you put it down, never do it again. It's just a wonderful part of your education that rounds everything out. It's a wonderful expression, music. And music, of course, there's math involved in music. There's all kinds of other things involved. And in, you, if you're looking at chords and that kind of thing, music is a really um, wonderful um uh, discipline to in- introduce kids to whether they ever do anything with it down the road or not you know the funny thing is that i was actually trying to pick up the trumpet this year so by christmas i can do some christmas songs for my family because mm-hmm. that's always something i've wanted to do is yeah. play some christmas music on there because for me it's like i have like this sort of i'm gonna say nostalgic even though i'm not nostalgic for it necessarily i have this very like gloss glossy image of me in uh, during the holidays with someone playing an instrument playing christmas music because for me even though i can listen to a recording of christmas music it hits a little differently when someone sings it or Mm -hmm. plays it in front of you Mm -hmm. absolutely that's why like i like going to choirs during the holiday season but unfortunately because of last year i wasn't able to but i think that I, I really do agree with you with music. I think children are often taught you have to know math, you have to know this. And I think those are important, but I don't think enough attention's brought over to like the creative side of the mm-hmm. brain. I think that if kids, a lot of kids would succeed if their schools would encourage them to do like music. And let's say they play, a, they let's say they learn math and they learn a song about math. Mm-hmm then it's something great. You know, like one of the things that I think I brought up earlier was a show called Animaniacs. That show got a lot of like good reviews for its time because it had actual legit music and actual like people invested in it. And it actually got children invested in music for a while. Mm -hmm. So for a long time, millennials became one of the more musically conscious. Yeah. Like generation because of shows like that and I think that it's important to introduce kids to Broadway shows and I always encourage kids to go to like the theater mm-hmm. I think they have I think the theater 
and music are very enriching. Absolutely, uh, and they've done they've done studies that ch- children who study music and are involved in music f- at a young age do better in in school in general and better uh, in life. And because it's just it's yeah, it's an enriching part of. Uh, I think it expands your soul and expands your imagination and your creativity you know, rather than just, you know, doing, okay, math, science, but to have that musical experience or even theater, it just, it broadens your horizons. I think it's really helpful. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. And one thing is that I saw this report about um, schools during the coronavirus. And so that's why it got me thinking about the extracurricular activities because I went back to school during COVID and I realize it's very difficult to try to get into like clubs and all that because mm-hmm. it's just one of those things where I think there's the schools are so focused on the classrooms getting back together and all mm-hmm. that. And I have a friend who is in a music class mm-hmm. and he said uh, that online or now on, in person online. online. Okay. And he says that what it basically is, is that everyone just kind of stays quiet and someone plays the guitar and mm-hmm. it's very limited. He said yeah. that they're a lot, they fill up a lot easier because they only have like, 10 students per class because they said that it's very difficult to evaluate like music in a non-classroom setting yeah, and it yeah. is and the unfortunate thing is that when it comes to music especially when you're a teacher i think everyone prefers it that everyone evaluates it yeah in person yeah. and all that yeah absolutely um yeah so i'm hoping that and i don't know before covid hit I'm not sure what the status is. You know, I know for a while there, one of the first things to go when they cut budgets at schools is our music programs. But I know, for instance, Barry Manilow has donated a whole lot of money and instruments to schools here in the Valley, uh, instruments in particular, to keep music alive in schools. So I don't know what the status is, how much it's been cut back. You know, once we go back, once COVID's gone, you know, I don't know how many programs, music programs are still alive in local schools. I don't know. I think that a lot of local schools in our valley, I think we're very lucky that a lot of schools are very encouraging of like um, music programs and arts programs because Pond Strings High School, Rancho Mirage High School are the ones that are definitely encouraging of that. So I really do appreciate them putting in the effort on that. And one thing, though, I would say is that I'm trying to figure out what you can cut instead, but I think when it comes to schools, unfortunately... It does seem like music would be the easy target yeah. because it's very hard to argue for it. But I think I don't think it should be the first thing to go. I think one of the things you should cut from a school budget would be probably like I can't think of anything. But <laughs> it's something, hard. I know it's hard because yeah. like there's so many things I wouldn't cut. But yeah. I think the fact is that schools should be given the opportunity to raise money. Yeah. All right, we're gonna be back in just a bit. But remember, tomorrow night, 5 p.m. Keisha D. A live stream from Frankie's back room, 5 p.m. on Facebook. All right, we'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza, talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Here are Bonnie and Brian. Hey, welcome back to the Culture Corner. I wanted to talk about a news story that I actually found interesting. It's been on the back burner, but I think this would be a good way to end the show. It's in China, voguing houses are coming out that 
the ballroom culture that was so prevalent in the 1980s and 1990s between black and brown LGBT communities has finally reached the East in China. Hmm. And so queer millennials finally have an opportunity to strike a pose, so okay. sort to say. So for those of you like in ballroom culture, basically you compete, you have like, there's a lot of competition, but it's all fun competition. Mm -hmm. It's basically a space where primarily it's LGBT focus. It's a space where people can dance extravagantly, lip sync, model. So like there are, you know, uh, categories like best face. So you go up and you like touch your face. Mm -hmm. You can't see me touching my face, but you like, mm -hmm touch your face a little bit to show off your model or you're yeah. like you vogue and you move your hands yeah. around like that madonna video right, right, right? right and so in china a lot of major cities because you know they're opening up and they've been open for a while they have decided to start creating a space for lgbt millennials in a sense okay. and a lot of L lgbt millennials like there's one that was highlighted in the article his name is zhao Ziong. uh zhao actually said in the interview that he feels very at ease with these vulgars and he no longer feels the need to emulate masculinity as he often does on the outside and he doesn't have to put on a disguise because for him it's like when you vogue it's an opportunity for you to kind of express yourself because voguing is one of those dances where nobody's gonna look super masculine doing it because it has a lot of like yeah moving right. your hands around mm -hmm. and you have to have fluidity and the sad thing is that i I've always thought of dancing as something that shouldn't be labeled as masculine or feminine. Like, I think if you're having a good time, you have a good time, right? Right. Yeah. And I think that with voguing, it gives you these opportunities to not only create a family, but to also like, but to also express yourself. So for me, I'm very happy to hear about this. And one thing that's very important to state about this that I want to say bef before we head out or anything would be that there is a sort of conversation that Asian cultures tend to like um, pay tribute a lot to black culture, black and brown culture. And so voguing since it began in the black and brown communities, it seems that in China, it's another way of like paying tribute because mm -hmm. a lot of like rap music and chola culture is actually in Asian countries. Like for example, in Japan, they have a whole a subculture to like cholas cholas being these a very popular subculture in in the mexican community here mm -hmm. so it's like it's interesting that our communities our subcultures are slowly reaching the east and they're taking and they're so respectful at it and i love it yeah that's interesting so why why do you think that is i'm, I'm fascinated by that that uh, in japan or that that they do sort of adopt uh, black and I mean, why? Wonder why that is. What? What is? What makes that happen? I think it's great, but I'm just wondering. I think I saw I saw this video about um, anime, and mm -hmm. it was about mm -hmm. anime, and w it was basically called "Where are the Black Folks in Anime?" Okay. And someone had, and the guy said that a lot of um, exposure to Black and Brown communities in in Asian countries predominantly come from like movies mm -hmm. like very like restricted ideas of like who they are for example like they, if they watch the avengers in china they'll see like one or two black people but they won't see it it's a very homogenous country mm -hmm. so for them i think because of the homogeny in those countries 
once they discover or find something that is specific to a black or brown subculture, they're fascinated, fascinated by, it. by it. Okay. And I think yeah. that's really as simple as that. Cause it's mm-hmm. like, if you, if I go to Mexico right now and I brought up like, like there's some things like Japanese stuff, mm-hmm. they'll go over there and be very fascinated about it. And in fact, in a lot of black and brown communities, Asian culture in itself has, is a fascination for a lot of those communities too. So it's a very loving relationship. And I think that that's really powerful in my opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so is this something that was it's a br- kind of brand new there? It's just sort of started with voguing. They said yeah. that it was only gaining traction after 2014, mm-hmm. but it seems like now it's gotten a lot of like notice that now it's on like, um, in mainstream it's reached the mainstream in the united states where they've actually talked about it because there's a tv show called pose mm-hmm. and pose deals with ballroom culture it's a great show it's on netflix and what i like about it is that it really highlights a community an aspect of lgbt and new york history that a lot of people don't talk about which is like the ballroom culture mm-hmm. and i think because of that a lot of like people are thinking about bringing back the ballroom mm-hmm. i have a friend who actually did a ballroom uh, did some ball uh, did a ball over in Los Angeles and they invited me to come along in Vogue mm-hmm. but I couldn't make it because mm-hmm. I'm not going to Los Angeles with a big crowd there right I don't now think so. yeah not a good idea uh, who's who's in poses are there big names in that show um right now they're starting to get in big names like yeah. Angelica Ross um MJ Rodriguez the biggest name on there was Evan Peters okay. and Sandra Bernhardt had a b- role in it too Sandra Bernhardt um I'm trying to remember the name of the actor who was on Law and Order, the one that Mariska Hardington. Uh, I'm trying to remember his name, like the the her co-star, the co-star on Chris Maloney. Chris Maloney, yes, okay. he has a role in it. James Vanderbeek had a part in it. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of actors who had big parts in the first season, mm-hmm. and then by season two, they decided to give the black and brown trans actors they gave them the bigger focus in Mm -hmm. the first season. It was about introducing them. And in the second season, not so much, but I think pose is a great show. And the unfortunate thing is that it became a show that got delayed on because of the pandemic, because you can't have big scenes like that. And also group scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Group scenes. And there's a lot of emotional scenes in that show where it involves a lot of people at close proximities. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I'm, and it's a show about the AIDS crisis too, so it deals mm-hmm. with all that stuff. So, incidentally, this became a review of Pose, but I will endorse Pose. I think you should watch it, Bonnie. I think you'll really. I have a quick question for you, and sort of an up. See if we have an update on the story we, we did back when. What's what's happened with the Ellen situation? You know, I'm what? curious. <laughs> Do you know? All I know is that Ellen DeGeneres is probably just she's doing fine. Really? I, I I think she's just doing fine. Okay, I think. all right. The thing is that her. From my understanding is that they just decided to just move on. Kind of go past it. and Go just past it. And I got the impression that they kind of are starting to emphasize her DJ more. Mm. But other, that, other than that, I got the impression. I know she got sick, but I don't know. Like, Did, she, did she get COVID? I think she got ho- COVID, okay. yes. But, she, but she's okay. She's doing fine. And yeah. honestly, from what I've noticed is that for the most part, she's had guest hosts. Okay. She's had guest hosts on okay. there. So right. 
You know, but that's what happens. And but by the way, Samantha B is the other thing I watch. I love Samantha B. She's oh, hilarious. That's such yeah, a funny she's great. Show. All right, thank you so much to all of our guests and great new entertainment news. Stay safe out there, and we'll, we'll see you next week.